I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. Time to let the little ones get all of that energy out. Big Air Trampoline Park inside Fieldhouse USA at the Polaris Mall has your little ones covered with toddler time. Each Wednesday and Thursday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., open only for jumpers 6 and under, the little ones can jump at their own speed and comfort level without the older kids around. It's a safe, fun outlet for your toddler's energy, and they'll feel right at home on all of the attractions. Plus, they'll have the best nap ever afterwards. Big Air Columbus, where the fun never ends. Visit BigAirUSA.com slash Columbus for details. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast with Sonia and Chuck. Um, Today I have Sonia Gomez from Abundance Acres, Abundant Acres. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, how to turn your property into an abundant garden, an abundant uh, food food resource. Um, I don't know, Sonia... um, Appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for having me, Chuck. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Um, so yeah, so I guess when you purchase a property, it can be a little overwhelming. And, you know, as preppers, we all like uh we try and, you know, find ways to be sustainable to I mean, as far as like having the resources available to us and and have food and and basically not be dependent on the outside world. That's a big thing, right? Because we're always kind of, you never know what's going to come and, and, you know, what might happen to the supply chain or what might happen to, you know, just the price of things, you know, with, with inflation and, you know, even stuff going on in the rest of the world tends to affect, you know, the different things that, you know, we see. So with that, um, if I want to make my property, how do... What are the mistakes that people make when they're laying out their property, I guess, is a good place to start. When I purchase a property, where where can I go wrong? What things should I be thinking about if I want to be sustainable? Um, what kind of things might come in the future? Because I know you've mentioned on, on your show that it's important to like think more long-term where you don't build things and then you're in the way and want to move things and change things around. How do how do you lay it all out? Yeah, well, thanks for the question, Chuck. I'm I'm excited to be here. The survivalist crew um, tends to be, you know, one of my primary groups of people that I'm speaking to right now, and I'm finding quite a bit of synergy. I was raised with Native American Indi- Indians who taught me how to live on and with the land. So this has been a part of my fabric for a long time, way before politics and pandemics started to influence the way that we were making decisions. Um, but to answer your question really directly. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are moving out of the suburbs, uh, suburban hell, the suburban safety and onto their own piece of land for the first time. I also recognize that there's a lot of veteran survivalists who are thinking about protecting and providing for their family in a completely different way with a completely different set of urgencies right now. So um, for you first time land buyers, if you have not yet purchased a property, um, you know, the things you really want to be looking for is water soil health, and your ability to uh, access necessary resources off of your property. Uh, The more diversity you can have on the property, the better. So woodlands, um, you know, again, water sources, um, looking at the different topographies, grasses, you know, things of that nature. Um, The more abundant the land looks, (laughs) probably the more abundant it is. The second thing you're going to want to look for, and this is where science and technology comes in, is really healthy soil. Um, You know, we leverage topography to show us where the water is flowing and going, and therefore, and also, Um, you know, taking soil samples from multiple areas on the property so that you understand where the minerals are, um, you know, what the soil health is, basically what's happening underneath the surface, because that's going to tell you a lot about the work it's going to take to build a thriving ecosystem on your property, whether it's a backyard garden or a full-fledged ecosystem um, that you're replacing or putting into place. Uh, You're really going to want to start with from the ground up is what we say, and understanding what's happening underneath the surface by getting really well-rounded soil analysis, soil reports, so that you understand not only what's existing, but what's missing or what's in abundance there, so you can start to course correct with your land from the very beginning. And then finally, you know, this is this is going to sound a little bit cliche, but you really have to think about your intention. Now, some preppers are satisfied buying from third-party resources who are doing all of the heavy lifting for you. You're buying your dehydrated foods. You're buying your three-month food packets. You're getting your bug-out bags ready. But there's an empowerment that happens when you start to lay the groundwork for your own systems to be in place so that when it, it, when and if the sh- uh, supply chains shut down and you can't order another three-month food supply, you can walk out into your backyard knowing that your gates are closed, the perimeters are safe, and start to eat from the land because you did careful planning. The only thing that makes any of this possible is by having the right design in play and plan in place so that you're not making expensive and time costly mistakes from the beginning. You see two things are happening, Chuck, when you're buying your own property and you're starting to develop your land. Even if you're a veteran property owner and a veteran prepper, if you're implementing these systems onto your property, everything starts with a plan. And for you construction workers out there, you're going to know Like, Chuck, you're not going to go and fix the plumbing system unless you have a clear roadmap of where the pipes are, where the water lines are, where everything is. Everything starts with your map and with your plan and understanding what you need and what you want to thrive and survive on your property. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's great. it kills me though, because your your whole thing there, I have like twenty questions. I'm like, oh, <laughs> like awesome. One thing, <laughs> uh, away. Like, yeah. One thing that comes to mind is like, you know, you said uh, note like what resources are available, something along that line. Mm-hmm. I think another thing to mention too is is building codes and stuff like that. Um, I live 
it's probably like five miles to a gas station. Somehow in the South, we have dollar generals like every five miles. So there's always that. But, uh, and then it's like, I don't know, I'm probably 15 miles to a Walmart or something and probably like 30 miles to a Lowe's or Home Depot. Home Depot's like an hour away. And the thing is, like one, what's available to you. But what I was, my point is, is even being in the middle of nowhere, the little town of 250 people, that's my town. If I go to, they're not allowed to have chickens. They're not allowed to have cows. And I'm like, you know, it's insanity. It's one of the guys just sold a uh, horse farm and it was like 30 acres. And the guy wanted to do cows there. And they're like, oh no, it's in town. You can't do it. And I'm like, the guy's got 30 acres and you're not letting them I don't know. So anyway, building codes and understanding what you're walking into is huge. So, so I just wanted to mention that, you know, with what you're touching on, because it does matter so much. 100%. And again, more the more complete you want your system to be, the more careful you have to be about your zoning. Now, I'm when I think about land, mm. I'm thinking about moving out in a way and looking at agricultural land. And I'll give everybody on the show here some value. Under the guise of agritourism, you can do quite a bit more on your property than you can if you're going in as a tradition, you know, going in trying to develop your property traditionally with, you know, cement footings and, you know, all of this stuff. If you if you look at agritourism, there is so much that you can avoid in the way of expensive permitting. There's so much that you can implement because there, the government wants to see, quote unquote, sustainability being built into their land and regenerative systems is the new buzzword to appease all of the environmentalists. However, it gives us property owners quite a bit of leeway if we can, quote unquote, showcase or implement agricultural systems for the purpose of education or showcase. Those things allow us quite a bit of leeway. So, yes. Permitting, zoning, allowances, covenances, you know, all of these things matter, but uh, your prepper community already knows that they don't want to be told what to do or how to do it on their land. So I'm assuming that that's probably one of the first pieces of criteria that they're going to look at. I know, you know, if they're listening to your show. (laughs) Right, right. Fair enough. Um, I know like Colorado with their water and stuff like that. Oh my Um, gosh, California, you can't do nada por nada. You can't do anything there. It's crazy. Um, Yeah, we just actually did an episode on uh, it came out Sunday on about how the government kind of going after the farmers. Hey, mm-hmm. my wife, we tried early on to get involved with the, uh, the cooperative extension stuff that they have, mm-hmm. you know, from the state or County. Mm-hmm. And uh, cause she was like, Oh, you know, the soil testing, which I got to say their soil testing was very limited. Um, totally the limited. They offer. Do you have a good place that you recommend to like get your? Yeah, we do all of the soil or, testing. Um, yeah. so not. I mean, not to give us a plug, but we've partnered with some of the world's leading PhDs in soil science. Um, you know, Elaine Ingham's team with the soil with the Food Soil Web uh, is one of the resources that we use. We also work with the Kiss the Ground community. Um, you know, when it comes to the work that we're doing, we wanted to incorporate the best of the best in all aspects of land rejuvenation. Uh-huh. And so we've built a pretty incredible team of folks and believe that science and technology play a part in, you know, the replenishment and revitalization of land. Um, you know, kind of like an x-ray when you're like, I don't go to the doctor because I don't want to be pushed, you know, pills and potions for my wellness. 
I believe that my, a more holistic approach is better. Um, however, it works. It, it's nice to go to the doctor when you think you have a broken arm and you can't see in the skin, you know, underneath your skin. Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so everything, you know, science has, it has its place for sure. Definitely. But yeah, you can go to uh, soilsensei.com or abundantacres.com and fill out our survey there. And we'll be able to support you in getting your um, soil samples done and giving you a complete analysis so you really understand what's going on with your soil and your water. Gotcha. We, uh, so same thing, like definitely when we got here, we, you know, tested the soil and where we thought we wanted the garden to be. But mm -hmm. it's funny because we more took the approach of let's see what's going on with the soil so we can change it to whatever, you know, add pH stuff, you know, raise mm -hmm. the pH, lower the pH, add mm -hmm. different things, minerals. But I didn't really consider it from the approach of, you know, laying out your land, you know, where the abundant stuff is and really checking around and having, you know, more forethought with it. I, I like that. That's, that's sharp. Well, the, at the end of the day, you know, especially as a contractor, you're looking for two things. Number one is how are we going to get, how are we going to optimize our land, Right. We want to let's say that nothing crazy is going to happen with our politics or or we're not gearing up for the next, you know, shutdown or pandemic or any of these things that intrinsically we know or signs will tell us is kind of on its way to happening right now. Right. If we didn't believe that those things were happening, we wouldn't be, quote unquote, prepping. What are we prepping for? So <laughs> but separate from that, separate from that you know, really just take it to the foundations of construction. You're not going to build a house without a blueprint. You're not going to start cutting into plumbing without, you know, a roadmap of what's going on with the existing pipes there. You're not going to build a skyscraper if you don't have a solid foundation. These, th these principles apply to your property as well. If you're, you're not going to build your house without a blueprint and a plan and engineering and knowing that the you know, walls that you're putting up and the ceiling that you're erecting isn't going to collapse in on your family. The same thing happens with your food system. You, if you spend 80% of your time on planning, you're going to, and 20% on execution, the chances of your success is, you know, a hundredfold. Not only that, but, you know, I don't know many people who have endless resources or money to burn. The more that you can plan and map things out, and work with and not against nature. Like Chuck, it's a totally normal um, mindset to go in and say, I can turn this into whatever I want it to be. I'll buy the bugs in a jug. I'll get the pH adjuster. I'll get the, you know, we'll track our water up here. Like that we are built on the back of conveniences and our skill sets make that even more convenient and uh, tricks us into believing that that's the best way to go about it. But I believe that just because we can doesn't mean that we should. And if we start with the first thing first and approach these things carefully, like with a plan, with a roadmap, really knowing what we want to take care of, how we want, you know, what we are going to manage, you know, I think that's, that's what happens. You see, two things are going on right now with this phenomenon. Sure, people are moving out of suburbia and onto their own pieces of property. But the first thing that's happening is they're in information overload. Now, for those of you guys who are watching, you know, I know that you're in the doom scroll. You're looking at Pinterest, you're looking at Instagram, you're going through TikTok and everybody has their romantic farm site and everyone's talking about the happy homesteading. 
Um, but really, it's there's a lot more that meets the eye. And you could be getting an information overload and not really taking any action at all or taking small pieces of action. The second thing that's happening, though, and this is probably more prudent, is you get into homesteaders overwhelm. You got real excited. You're like a teenage boy boy in a porn shop. And you were like, yes, we're going to get chickens and cows and goats. Right. And <laughs> you're going to pile everything on at the same time. But you start to look around and realize, holy cow, it's quite a bit to take care of goats. It's quite a bit to take care of chickens. Holy shit. I wish I would have put my garden over here. Gosh, I didn't think I was going to have to work that hard in the winter when my pipes freeze. You know, like all of these different considerations that had you done careful planning in the beginning, you would not be wishing you were going, you know, that you have to go back and fix something. You wouldn't have wasted a lot of time and money putting something someplace that you didn't want it to really be. When you work, when you really work on your map, you eliminate a lot of that overwhelm and confusion and really streamline what you're going to do when so that you have the proper budget to do the project right you're really setting up, you're setting yourself and your family up for success long term, and you eliminate the possibility of waste. And that's really the best thing is being able to save both time and money and knowing that the investment you are making is in fact going to provide abundance for your family season after season, year after year, no matter what happens outside of your gates. No, I like it. That's that's awesome. The, well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. So I, I guess the, the next thing, you know, I wanted to kind of address while I had you, cause I hate to let all this valuable information go. You know, it's like, I get you here and I'm like, oh, I got to ask all these things. <laughs> but so, all right. When you get the soil and there mm-hmm. are things that, I, I mean, are there some standards that <clears throat> everybody kind of has to deal with, with soil? Like how do we, you know, composting is always the big thing and everything mm-hmm. people do. What is it, what what are the best ways to kind of bring life back to soil? And I understand that everybody's got different soil. I mean, even in my neighborhood, you know, I, I have clay all over the place and that's something I have to overcome and deal with. I have neighbors who have sand everywhere and they're mm-hmm. like three miles away, you know, and, and that's their issue to deal with. But like, how do we address soil? What are we looking for, I guess, even with soil? And, and what would you do to correct things that they, as they come up? You're looking for microbes and fungi. <laughs> you're, you're, you're looking for bugs. Um, that's what you want to see in your soil. And I know it's, I know that sounds crazy, but, and, but for those of you who know anything about anything, soil is only cool when, you know, when it has real life in it. Um, there was an old saying that used that, you know, encourage your kids to eat the dirt. Well, why? Because there's microbes and biology existing in that soil structure that can help combat many of the illnesses or viruses and bacteria that are existing inside of, you know, our own internal ecosystem. So if you think about the bugs and the biology being present in the soil, um, the more prolific that that is, all, they're all living organisms, right? So they're in there and they're eating stuff. And when you eat stuff, you poop. So there's a poop loop happening underneath the so- underneath the surface right there like that it. is, you know, creating nutrients for the roots to eat and uptake into the plant. And the plant is therefore more vibrant with nutrients that we can now eat and process and turn into vital minerals and, um, you know, uh, 
uh, vitamins for our own body. So there's a there's truly a circle of life that's happening underneath the surface that the naked yeah. eye can't see and that we don't really consider. But the microbes are like probiotics, essentially. It, they help the whole ecosystem thrive better and better. And the more healthy that un- under you know, that the more healthy that that surface is or that soil is, the more vital nutrients your plants will be able to take and absorb and ultimately feed you with. Yeah, no, I know there was always the big thing about people talk about, I, I don't even remember the order, you probably correct me here, but people would talk about how you send in like, I don't know, I guess like cattle goes in, then you have like pigs and chickens. I'm not sure the whole order there, but they all kind of, the poop all works together. Mm -hmm. It's funny, we were just noticing in our yard and it just kind of occurred to us recently that, you know, you always see like the dogs are always out like eating or messing with the chicken poop and you're always yelling at them, oh, what are you doing? And we, it just occurred to us that the chickens are eating the dog poop and tearing that apart and going Mm -hmm. in. And we're like, how can we never see dog crap in the yard? But, you know, we have all these dogs running around and there's never anything. And I'm like, it's the chickens, you know, they're out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all like that whole circle of, yeah, it, it's crazy. It's the circle of life right there before our eyes. And we take it for granted because, you know, our human, our, our human side is like, that's nasty. Who is digging in poop? But when the chickens are, are pulling everything apart, they're eating the larva, they're eating the, um, they're eating the bugs, they're eating, you know, all of the things that become annoyances for us. However, you know, I was just working with um, Casey and Keisha Ernst, for instance, who are one of the, you know, leading consultants for Biocomplete Compost and um, the Food Soil Web. And they talked to me a lot about uh, microbe taxis, you know, all of these bugs and beetles and you know, even mosquitoes, they told me the mosquitoes are the number one pollinator, even above bees, you know, and so we don't, we just don't know what we don't know about how mother nature works. And I don't know if you're a man of faith, but I'll tell you that I am. And the more that I learn about the health and vibrancy and soil, the easier it is for the easier it is for me to accept that God really created everything in the true divinity. And to mess with that too much, to get too far away from how God intended things to be, um, is where the imbalances are created. So, you know, the focus of our company is to help Mother Nature be more of what it is intended to be. Now, you asked me another question that's like, how do you know what to do with your soil? Well, that's why we start with a soil test. If you have sandy soil, you want to introduce more organic matter, right? And so that is. that is manures, that is food scraps, that is, you know, green material, brown material. There's a whole formula that goes into based off of your percentage of sand in your soil. um, There's a whole formula of how you can start to add the necessary components that you need in order to build healthy, vibrant soil. If you're in a real wetlands, there's lots of, um, or, or real drylands, there's lots of ways to use hugel beds, for instance, as a way to Um, build up and get out of, you know, trauma places. If you're in thick clay, you know, it just really depends on what you have. And, um, you know, if you want to dive deeper into that, we certainly can. But I think just high level, it's important to start with a soil analysis to understand what it is. And that will give you a lot of direction on what you need to search or which direction you need to go and what method or approach you can use to mitigate and create optimal conditions for growing. 
Now, this is a touchy one for everyone out there because this is the ongoing debate in the uh, whole farming community. And the wife will definitely want me to ask you to weigh in on this one. But uh, what do you, what is your thought on tilling? Now, mind you, before you even answer, you know, like you said, life in the soil is is key to everything. So, you know, having the, the microbes and everything, you know, in there working together when you till stuff and what is your take on tilling? What is my take on tilling? Well, um, knowing, you know, what's your take on pasta? Like, do you like your noodles cut or not? (laughs) So here's here's my thought. Like you have to, when I have a field that's full of grass or whatever, you know, day one, I walk up to it, you know, I mow it down maybe. And now in order to get to that dirt, especially when you're doing, you know, uh, even two acres, right? If you're doing two acres of land, I I feel like I have to go through with the tractor and the tiller to get rid of that green cover grass, whatever. Is that wrong? How do you, how do you deal with that? There's a lot of different ways to deal with it. And I'll say everything has its place. I'm not going to completely, you know, um, shut down any one thing, but I will explain kind of what's happening and so that you can make better and more informed decisions about what you're going to do and why. For instance, some people want to come in and um, till their fields because they have uneven ground and they want to create a blank slate. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and till. You just have to know that when you're tilling, you're cutting into the threads of biology and fungi that have been developed underneath the ground. You're cutting into the root system. You're disrupting the life and biology in your soil. So is it necessary? Can you do it minimally? Again, really, it takes cost time and money to run a tractor. You have to consider what your resources are and what your, what is your end in mind. If you're going to run cattle through there, you may want to do that first before because they're with soft ground going to start to, you know, pound and push things down into the ground anyways, right? And so really looking at the plan holistically from the start, you're going to that allows you to make educated and informed decisions that fit in with your budget. Um, so that you can avoid expensive mistakes or having to do work that's not really necessary. Like, let's say that you're like on the project we're on here, we have a 40 acre field at a 1% grade that's for the most part, pretty darn flat and even. However, our client is a 35 year legacy dairy farmer and she loves perfection. She loves a clean edge. She likes things to be manicured and really well managed. So she threw cows out there for the first six months of the year. And now with the weeds that the cows did not eat, she wants to get rid of all of the weeds. So she has a really high quality hay crop. She's going to burn the entire field and disc up around the edges because she wants to plant something new. Now that's a complete shift from where she was at the beginning of the year before she started working with us, where she was going to till the entire field Imagine the amount of gas and man hours to operate the tractor and the rental on the tractor to disc up a 40 acre field compared to the four acres that she's now going to do right around the perimeter. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So having this careful planning will help you manage time, resources, and avoid doing anything that's unnecessary in your work. 
So till versus no till as an ongoing practice, we are no till. We use something that's called lasagna gardening, where we chop and drop and layer the organic material on top of each other so that we can continue to build healthy, vibrant soil um, for, you know, on the ground and food for the microbes to eat. Um, So you may till one time to create that nice, clean, blank slate, but be ready to do many, many things to revitalize and replenish the health of the soil that's been disturbed with a till. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I like it. I got a question for you here. Um, Microhorizal? I don't even know how to say it. You know what this is? I do. (laughs) Microhorizal? Yeah, I do. Um, Christopher, great question. And I would say with a liquid amendment, although I would not really want to answer this question without understanding, you know, what's currently existing in your soil. Um, Somebody else asked the best place to get soil analysis. You can certainly come to the soilsensei.com or abundantacres.com. We'll be able to help you with that. Earlier on in the podcast, we talked about how we've partnered with, um, you know, some of the leading experts in soil science and soil health, including Elaine Ingham's team, um, as well as the Kiss the Ground community who have just some of the best in the world. So we can give you a full-scale soil analysis and water analysis and let you know kind of what what best steps to take forward. But I love a liquid amendment. Um, You can get that from all different sources. We work with Biocomplete Compost. We also have methods from Korean Natural Farming or Natural Farming, um, IMOs. We use, uh, use, um, you know, fish waste. We we use all different kinds of things to create Biocomplete fertilizers that you can put into liquid form and apply on your garden a lot easier than you can with dry dry composting. Now that was on my wife's list of questions was Korean natural farming. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are your thoughts? You, you obviously sound like you're on board with some of their stuff. Anyways, yeah, we had the actually that's one of the areas that my husband is the is most well versed in, and all and uh, and just in you know. Just to give you the dynamics of our team, we really believe in staying in our lane and in our genius. I do a lot of the front end communication, relationship building, um, you know, education with uh, state. You know, my background is in legislative development. I actually work and I'm not sure how your audience will feel about this, but I'll share it anyways because it's a part of my story. Um, You know, back in 2009, I helped to transform um, the legislation that legalized cannabis in Colorado. And so legislative reform, patient safe rights to access, being an advocate for holistic health and, and ultimately freedom so that we could decide how we wanted to care for ourselves and our family members, um, you know, with a focus on natural health and plant medicines is my background. Um, my husband went on to start studying living soil systems because the cannabis industry crashed and we had to figure out a way to create a higher quality product a truly medicinal grade product line um, that was, you know, that could really help people, but also give you a nice feeling as well. Um, You know, we had to figure out how to be more cost effective in our production. And we had to figure out a way to uh, do all of this pretty quickly. And so when we started to look at living soil, we spoke with a man by the name of Chris Trump, who is one of the world's leaders in Um, Korean natural farming, and we brought him in to help us build the foundations of our soil system. 
Well, my husband is also 35 years permaculture designer or, you know, what we call beyond organic gardener. Um, So it's not like we were starting from scratch. But one of the things that we believe is that when you're trying to do or learn something new, you hire the best and bring them in. So you cut the learning curve. Like I would never go and try and plumb my own house. I'm calling the best to bring them into my house so that I get the best results, right? Um, And so the same thing happened with our business. And to date, we've built one of the largest um, regenerative cannabis cultivation centers in the country using Korean natural farming methods, which has allowed us to eliminate, you know, more than six figures of inputs from our garden. We cut the cost of production, you know, down to a third. We've increased the um, medicinal properties. Like you can scientifically prove that our terpenes, our flavonoids, our cannabinoids are all richer, more vibrant, more flavorful, and the experience is a lot cleaner. And so we accomplished all of our goals with Korean natural farming um, and had to incorporate other methods to continue to be able to plant, plug and play or plug and plant into our system. And that's the one thing that's really different about this method of uh, building soil health is that you can continue to layer your nutrients or top dress your garden beds without disturbing your soil structure and um, can, you know, just plug and play, plug and play, you know, season after season or, you know, grow after grow. We were able to pull five times a year, five cycles a year out of our garden beds um, because of this method of farming. So I really believe in Korean natural farming. I've also recently been introduced to something called biocomplete composting, which is, again, an accelerated way to build microbiology into the soil, to feed the microbes, and to break down organic material so it becomes bioavailable to your garden. So there's a 100 ways to skin a to skin a cat, our soil company, which is called Soil Sensei, you can check us out at soilsensei.com, focuses on living soil systems. So that means we're going to eliminate bugs in a jug. You don't have to go and buy, you know, organic fertilizer from the store and, you know, uh, organic compost from the store, blah, blah. That's all a bunch of nonsense. You can create all of this stuff from waste streams, from household waste streams. You can plug in with your local grocery store and take their food waste. You can go out into your forest and capture the biology that you see there in your undisturbed forest, bring it back into your into your home place and introduce it into your garden and it'll start to take off. There's a lot of things that we don't think about, but Mother Nature is on our side and we want to harness the power of that we know what's happening naturally around us and introduce it into our home area so that we don't have to go against nature, but can work with nature to get the best results. Does that make yeah. sense? <clears throat> no, I love it. And, yeah. And Korean that's... natural farming, by the way, Chuck is like, it's so romantic. It's yeah. like, it's very different. <clears throat> Korean natural farming starts. Just picture this guys waking up in the morning when the dew is on the, on the leaves and you take your little box of rice out into the undisturbed forest at sunrise and you place it at the base of the tree where all the leaf mold has already created those mycelium threads and you cover it so that animals can't disturb it or whatever. But what happens over, you know, 
uh, two to five days, depending on where you are in Colorado. It took us five to seven here in Florida in two days. You can capture all of that biology and build an entire, like what, what we call a cake. It's basically, you can see it all grow up onto the rice. You know, it's, it's, it's just such a beautiful process to, to be able to take what mother nature does in a few dozen, or in some cases, a few hundred years, we can bring it back home and make it happen in a few weeks or in a few months. So talk about accelerated healing of the soil. That's how to make it happen. I like it. Now that's so, yeah, my yard, uh, definitely, they all used to be like tobacco farms and whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they probably used all kinds of bad things in the soil. And I'm always scared of that too. You know, what's, what's out there, but, uh, no, after listening to you, I feel like I I have about eight acres of, uh, woods that, you know, it's nice. It keeps the deer there and everything else. And Mm -hmm. it makes, adds to some of the other things we bring to the table, but, uh, I, I feel like I need to go out there and rake up the whole forest floor and bring it over to my garden and dump no, it. No, don't do that. Don't do that. You can capture it. Uh, Chuck, as a matter of fact, what you need to do is get yourself a ticket and come on down here to Florida because we, we're actually starting a series of workshops where folks just like you are coming down to learn about what we're doing. And the fact that you have forest land on your property is awesome. We're going to teach you in these workshops how to take these boxes and go and capture the biology without disturbing the forest, because that's an actual resource for you, right? right? Like you don't want to go and dig up what you're What's source. already growing and doing, right? Exactly. So you, what you want to do is capture it and duplicate it closer to home, not disturb it and destroy it. And then br- because you want it at your house, we want to capture it and help it to expand and grow. And that's counterintuitive. Like humans want the push button fast fix. We want to get what we want right now. And, you know, this approach takes a little bit more time, but gives you long-term a way better result. And you're actually going to be revitalizing your land, which at the end of the day, Chuck is going to increase your, your, your equity in your property. Like, let's say that nothing crazy is happening and you've taken this you know, kind of soiled tobacco farm and you've little by little are revitalizing the soil with, you know, animals and your gardening practices and your, you know, best attempt at composting. If you, if you were to apply some of the things that we're talking about with, with an actual plan in place, the next, if and ever decided you wanted to sell your property, the equity of your soil, the efficacy of your dirt now has value again, right? So it's right back to that black gold that's on your land where you can grow and you can plant and grow anything the light touches. So now you can sell your property for higher value because you've revitalized the soil, you've removed the chemicals. These systems actually capture, encapsulate contamination from years and years of uses of pesticides, herbicides, and all of these chemicals that are used in industrial farming. That's what's so fascinating about it is that Mother Nature wins because they say, oh, I'm a fungi and this is a chemical. It's like, oh, I see you and you're not supposed to be here. I'm going to encapsulate you. They saw this whole scientific study happen at Chernobyl where after, you know, after the nuclear contamination, they went in and they tested the soil and then they tested the fruit on the tree and the soil had signs of it um, and the tree had signs of it, but the fruit 
had no signs whatsoever. And so what they discovered was that the uh, microbiology, the fungi, the bacteria had encapsulated the contamination and made the nutrients in the soil grow or made the soil growable again. So the more that we can introduce these fungi, the more that we can introduce these mycelium threads, the more that we can introduce the microbiology into your soil and then feed those things with waste streams like fish, like manure, like, you know, all the things that I see being listed here. Now you have a complete picture of what these things are actually doing and why they're so important um, and, and even what makes them break down and become, you know, usable for your garden, right? No, I love it. Dude, you've you've got so much great content. It's like, ooh, I want to be able to, you know, keep going here. So where, like, how do we, like, what class, you said you have classes coming up and things sure. like that. And you have, uh, you have other stuff you offer. Like if, if uh, this all sounds really overwhelming and we just want help, whatever, Tell me what you got. Like, what, what what do you offer? Like, how do we get in touch and find out more and and all that? What do you have going on? Yeah. So, you know, at the at the very core of things, we work with we work with landowners who want to protect and provide an abundance of really healthy, vibrant food for their family and their community. How do you do that? By creating these food systems, what we call eco-synergy design systems in your backyard or on your land. It starts with the design and with the plan. So our step one, when you work with a, with Abundant Acres, uh, we um, come into your land, we test your soil, and, and we meet with your family to hear you know, what are your dreams? What do you love? You know, what kind of animals do you like? What kind of animals do you want to eat? What kind of food do you like to eat? And we create the entire roadmap and design for your land so that you can um, easily implement at your own pace. The second thing that we do is work with developers who want to incorporate, you know, these gardens into their developments um, and make sure that the people who are investing there can feed. And then we also work with farmers who want to transition from traditional farming into regenerative farming, and we make that sustainable. So if you're interested in designing any of these food systems on your property, you can hit us up at AbundantAcres.com. Um, if you want to build some you know, more life and health in your soil, you can check us out at SoilSensei.com. Um, and yeah, we'll be super excited to hear about your property. We, we only take on a few um, projects a month, so we'll just make sure that we're the right fit. Um, you can give us a call there. Our number is listed on our website, and we'll be excited to talk with you and see how we can support you. Excellent. Yeah, I'll put it all in the show notes. No, I really appreciate it. Like tons of value. I'll hit you up with some of these questions these guys had after and, uh, and, and added to, uh, see if I can get back to them and, and help them out here. Is that but, the, um, is that the whole list of questions from your wife? <laughs> uh, th- th- there is a big list. So yeah, that, that's how it goes. Sometimes she's like, how do we change our farm? What do we do? And I, I just <laughs> did want to bore everybody with shenanigans. Um, well here we can, we can hit, maybe people will get some extra value quick. Only take a minute. Um, one, she's wondering about, um, I guess worms, uh, but, 
choose like best containers for doing like worms and stuff like that? Is there a approach on that? Is that something you even think about or you just worms? Oh yeah. We love, we love, uh, yeah, we love, we love worms. Um, and, but I'm not going to answer that question because I don't play with them. My husband does, and he'll tell Fair you enough. what the system is. <laughs> Fair enough. She said, she said, sign up on I my website. <laughs> Most straight. Yeah. Um, all right. She said, um, oh, we had, uh, discussed, uh, Bakashi. Oh yeah. And so she was digging into that and, and looking really, uh, into it kind of deep and, mm-hmm. uh, is that like definitely you can buy the starter stuff, whatever with yep. that. Is that something you can build on your own or is that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you have a sore, you know, you can get milk and t- essentially Bakashi is um, either in liquid or dry form. If it's in a liquid form, it's lactobacillus. It's like probiotics for your garden. And essentially what it does is it allows you to break down your food waste faster. So it becomes bioavailable faster, um, essentially accelerating the composting or decomposition process, um, which is why we love it. And it also eliminates the smell because it happens so much faster. It doesn't have to go through that whole crazy fermentation process. Um, so it, it, it eliminates a lot of the offensive smell of composting, especially food waste. If you're going to use it in dry form, it's lactobacillus soaked uh, or wheat bran soaked in lactobacillus and then dehydrated again. So now you just grab a handful of it and sprinkle it on your compost and essentially it's going to do the same thing. I'll I'll compare it to like if you use a liquid probiotic, you know, and, and drink it like a shot or if you're going to take an encapsulated dry probiotic. The, the same strains are there, but it's just in different form. So Bakashi, though, I love because you can use the liquid from it as a fertilizer. You can take and bury the food waste into your garden beds and it becomes food for the worms and, and microbes. Um, it's, it's awesome. As a matter of fact, w- no matter what your method of composting is right now, incorporating Bakashi um, is, I think, one of my number one recommendations. <laughs> All for right. Sure. Take the win. So... No, I appreciate it. Appreciate you making the time. I know we all got things to do. I'll let you get back to your life. I know you, you <laughs> always have the busy schedule, so I feel bad. Thank you. I'm not taking too much of your time. But no, we really appreciate it. Comments look like people love it. And uh, no, it's great. Thank you so much. And I know I got a ton of value. I know there's a bunch of things I'm going to go dig up and look into. So <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, cool. And just one more, just one more thing I wanted to say, you know, when I mentioned the classes, it's a new thing for this year. Um, you know, we weren't doing in-person classes before. However, we're on 125 acres here. And this particular landowner is really passionate about this life in the soil and educating people. Um, as I mentioned, she she's a 35-year legacy farmer who is transitioning from conventional farming into regenerative farming because she saw many of her family family members impacted by the use of chemicals in her farming practices. And she just so happens to be a God-loving, government-fearing person, you know, and so she wants to do everything she can to protect and provide for her family. And um, as a part of that, we've been helping her design her family compound. Um, we are created her entire food system on her property, and we're building in multiple streams of income on her land. And as a part of the passion for soil, we're opening up for the first time um, education classes where you can come in 
um, and learn about building healthy soil. We can actually, you can actually take home some of the products that we're making um, and apply them directly to your property. Um, if you want us to come on site, there's lots of different ways that we've opened up for this year um, to be able to support you and and educate. Free education is one of those major, major things. So we'll definitely stay in contact about that. And it's such a beautiful community that comes around with their kids. I'm a mom of four. So uh, and I know you have a whole gaggle of kids over there too, Chuck. So we're just really excited to be in service that way. And um, thank you so much for the opportunity to to serve and and speak with your audience today. I had a good time. That's awesome. We really appreciate it. And you gave us a lot of stuff to dig into. So I like it. Um, yeah, no, definitely as things comes up, come up when you offer classes, I mean, at least throw them on the website or on the Facebook and stuff like that. And hopefully if... Uh, you know, I'll share them on the podcast as you have new things you offer, but I'll put as many links as I can get from you and phone numbers as you want in the uh, show notes. And so everybody can dig deeper in all this and get in touch with you. If that's, you know, where we want to go and I'm sure people have questions. So that's awesome. So with that, thank you. Thank you so much. So with that, stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.